0: one to go with the one oz. You didn't think one ozco was too much? I wasn't part of that, so <laughs> I had no choice. <laughs> All right, excellent. Hello and welcome to Make it Move it Sell it on this podcast. I talk with company leaders about how they're modernizing the business of making, moving and selling products and of course having fun along the way. I'm your host, Adam Honig, the CEO of Spiro.ai. We make amazing AI software for companies in the supply chain, but we are not talking about that today. Instead, today, we're talking to Matthew Wanaz, the Chief Operating Officer at Wanco, you know, which is maybe the best manufacturer of high quality and easy to use highway safety and traffic control products. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Let's start with the make it part of the discussion. Can you tell us
1: a little bit about what you guys make? Sure. We're a manufacturing company first. We have engineers on site, so we engineer all our products. We also bring in raw steel, weld, paint, assemble. We're pretty much a one-stop shop.
0: Now, when I think about your product line, I what always comes to mind is the highway signs that say merge left. I don't know why it's always merge left in my mind, but that's like the key thing that those big control panel displays, is that what they're called?
1: So we call them a message board or an arrow board. The one with the flashing arrow is an arrow board. And then if it has a message, you can type whatever you would like and it will display it. And if it says right lane close, merge left. That's what you're seeing. Yeah,
0: those are very popular signs. I live in the Boston area, and I don't know who your salesperson is around here, but they're
1: killing it. I mean, those boards are everywhere. They are federally mandated as well for use whenever they close down a road to help the motorist safely get through the worksite.
0: So this is really interesting, right? So you have a product that is federally mandated. I think a lot of people listening to the podcast might think to themselves, how do we get our products to be federally mandated? But that definitely must drive a lot of demand, but it must drive a lot of competition
1: as well. There's definitely competition in this and it grows every day.
0: And how do you, you know, when you think about the competition in the space, what sort of strategies do you guys use to try to differentiate yourself from the competition?
1: Our biggest differentiation is probably our customer service along with customization. We are a build to order. We've always been that way and we will continue to be that way.
0: And so that means that customers, when they want a sign or something like that, they can design it pretty much any way they want?
1: There are some basic functions, but there's extra tools that work better for their area. Something as simple as a cone holder or a different hitch. Different plug cameras, so there's there are different options that they need for their job. Yeah, so in
0: some areas, like having a solar power with it might be important because they're out in the middle of the desert or something like that. Versus near a power source, the, are these are the kind of options that you guys are offering.
1: Definitely, those options are also have their variety. Where what you would need in Texas, in the middle of a desert, versus what you would need, let's say in your area. Obviously, you would need more solar and battery to last 30 days of runtime that's usually our target for a lot of this, a lot of these products.
0: So the strategy is to be more competitive by offering more options and more customization for customers. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: That is one of the strategies. Yes. As well as quick turnaround.
0: What do you mean by quick turnaround?
1: So typically normal operation we're two to three weeks out for delivery of product.
0: And how do you think that compares to other folks in the industry?
1: Sometimes they have stuff in stock, you know, if they're local to, that manufacturer, it's a little bit hard. But for nationwide delivery, working in Colorado, we're pretty centralized. So it's pretty easy to get product out of here.
0: So when I think about the message boards or the arrow boards or the different products that you make, I often wonder, are there other kind of like unusual ways that people want to use them? It's not all roadside safety, I assume.
1: We have people who rent them. Uh, We've seen them in car lots if they're running a special Obviously, for special events, uh, Super Bowl, other schools have used it for large games. There's definitely a lot of events that end up using these boards to help direct traffic not only car traffic, but also sometimes pedestrian traffic.
0: And maybe just to say, happy birthday, Adam, or something like that.
1: We could definitely do that. You
0: could could hook me up with something like that. Okay. You know, I got a big birthday coming up, so I'll let you know in plenty of time in advance.
1: So we have a show that's usually around Valentine's Day. And so we'll say happy Valentine's and people will stand in front of the sign and send it to their spouse. Oh, that sounds like a great promotion.
0: Yeah. I bet people are really into that. When I think about the need to have a product that can be configured and customized, I imagine that you guys are dealing with a large volume of SKUs and options and even like add-on products that go with it. How do you manage that complexity?
1: We have over 30,000 SKUs. Our product range also goes outside of the traffic control stuff. So there are other more complex products that really add to that difficulty. Uh, We do use a a full-blown ERP system where we track everything that comes into the warehouse, where it is in the warehouse, when it gets moved, uh, where it gets moved, when it gets consumed, and eventually when it gets shipped out.
0: So investing in automation has definitely helped. And I bet you've developed a lot of processes around you know, how do you make sure you're staying on top of all of the orders and customer
1: requirements and stuff like that. There's definitely a lot of processes in place. We do track down to the day late on time and what's coming the next day or week. It is definitely in need of more automation every day as the complexity grows and as we venture into figuring out how to best remove errors, process it quicker. We're coming across different technologies every day to help us do that.
0: Gotcha. I mean, I imagine in your business, the safety requirements of your products are very high, like having a failure rate of something that's telling people that the lane is closed. It's got to be pretty
1: close to zero. It is a, a LED light installed in there. So can it fail? Definitely. The life cycle of an LED light of that build is pretty long. So even if one goes out, the message still comes across really easily to a driver that they need to switch lanes.
0: Right, right. Like they wouldn't, it wouldn't be saying like merge lift. I wonder what that's saying. You know, like I think they'd still know, even I would know it was
1: merging left. A lot of abbreviations end up happening. Obviously, if the user doesn't lock the message, people will get in there and change the message that has happened. Do people ever send you
0: pictures of funny messages that they see?
1: Most definitely. Can you, can you mention one or are they all not PG so you can't say them on the podcast? There are definitely those, but there are a number of them like zombies ahead, bridge out zombies ahead. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to like do a Google search for that when we
0: get off. Going back to the complexity. So you've got this product can be highly configured. You've got all of these options. Does that mean that you need to have like a big team of folks kind of working the supply chain angle to make sure you've got all the components all the time? Or is that you guys have figured that out pretty well?
1: Our team, I would consider pretty small. We have about four people on the supply chain side of making sure that we have the product in-house. Things have grown over the years. Those four teammates have needed to rely on other processes in-house to make sure that they're getting the right signals. If I were to add them into it, then yeah, the team has grown and there's probably a good 10 to 12 people involved in that.
0: Yeah, we've been talking with a lot of people who during the pandemic and all of the ripple effects that have been going on, the supply chain issues have definitely been kind of creeping up for everybody. I know when we spoke before, you said you try to source a lot of things locally. But besides doing that, are there other strategies that you've used to try to solve the challenges of the day?
1: Yes. I mean, we for the most part, uh, we do try to do local sourcing. It's not... The easiest uh, electronics are very hard to come by, chips and solar panels. Do they make LED bulbs in Colorado? Is that a local thing? No, not really. No. no, no, they don't. Unfortunately, most of that's coming from overseas. Most LEDs, the chips themselves, they're made overseas. Chips, they're very hard to get. Obviously, everyone's hearing it in the news on cars, ha- having a hard time getting chips to run the computers for the cars. We run into the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Taking a look forward a little bit, I know you know you and I spoke a little bit about machine vision and AI and stuff like that. You know, what's what's your view on how all of that's going to come together in, in your part of the world?
1: I think the biggest push for us is worker safety. Trying to remove a worker from the side of the road, there are technologies out there that would help and aid that by removing the person from the side of the road and replace it with a machine whether they can control it with a line of sight or if it automatically can control itself with some type of AI that can determine if the work zone is safe for other cars to travel.
0: So basically... The AI vision would be saying when it's safe for the person to go out there, or would, would the AI vision would know when the road is closed and would
1: turn the sign on, or, or both? Even in this particular case, you have a flagman on the side of the road where it's a one-lane road, and they will allow traffic to pass, or they'll ask you to stop. It's a AFAD, is what it's called, and it's basically a arm that closes the traffic from entering into the work zone to allow the other side to drive through.
0: I see, so so that way it keeps the traffic flowing, but not colliding together. It also has the advantage of not talking on its cell phone when you 're sitting there waiting to go, and you know that it 's perfectly safe to go, but the guy 's standing there talking on his phone that
1: that 's never happened to you. I imagine i can 't uh, say that i 've seen that
0: <laughs> cool. any are there other product advances or ideas that you 're seeing kind of coming down the
1: pike because we are an engineering company. We get a lot of asks outside of our normal bread and butter, so to speak. Recently, we're working with a company here locally that does pollution monitoring. In order to do that type of stuff, they need to have a permanent install. Well, to get that done, the extra fees, the location approval is very hard. So we're working with them on a solution to mobilize that. So essentially you can drag the message board into an area and it'll say like, avoid too much carbon dioxide. We could tie it in that way. Right now it's a little bit more simple of just being a power source for them, for their current product. And it just sits there and monitors, but there's no reason why it couldn't tie into our system and say, hey, it's a high pollution day, try carpooling. That makes total
0: sense. One of the questions that I had, Matthew, was a little bit about marketing. How do you
1: do marketing in this space? So for the longest time, uh, it was just pretty much our sales team who was the marketing. It's a lot of word of mouth. The clientele for our particular product is very narrow. We do have some other ones that are a little bit wider when it gets into construction. But for road construction in particular, it's pretty narrow. It's pretty well known who all the customers will or might be. So we never had to really spend too much time marketing. We recently have hired a manager of marketing. So we're going through and this is a new process for us. It's new for me. It's new for everyone in the company here.
0: It's sort of amazing to me that you've grown the business to be, you know, over 300 people, you know, a very well-known brand, you know, at least according to people who notice the signs out in the world without any marketing. So maybe you never needed it.
1: Yeah, we have a, a couple shows where we go to and anybody that is in this market is usually at the shows.
0: All of the buyers tend to go there. And a lot of the purchasers, are they state departments of transportation or other government agencies?
1: They do purchase. They are not the largest. A lot of that stuff is either rental companies or what we call traffic houses. And they'll be the ones who will be contracted to shut down the road, make sure it's safe safe for the workers to do whatever they need to do. Gotcha, all all part of getting government out of the way here. In some cases, yeah, but there are other projects where the local DOT will oversee it or they'll do it all on their own. It varies from state to state.
0: Yeah. In Massachusetts, we love to have police officers at all of the roadside construction. I think it's a law passed specifically to help the policemen pay for their pensions or something like that.
1: That might be one way they're getting some more money. I'm sure the other reason was enough people were speeding through the work zone to try to keep it safer.
0: Not in Massachusetts. Nobody ever speeds in Massachusetts. That's what I've seen. So talking about customers, one of the things that we've been talking a lot with people about is changing expectations of customers that what I've been calling sort of the Amazon effect. Everybody expects to order stuff online. Everybody expects it to be delivered overnight. With your customer base, which sounds like they might be a little bit different, is that kind of creeping into their minds as well?
1: As far as delivery, they've always expected they need it now. We can deliver in a couple of weeks. And maybe we kind of set that expectation with our customers In today's environment, it's a little bit harder. But in terms of changing their perception of how they order, when they order, I can't say that much has changed for us. Well, that's good. That's good. Because the general trend that I'm hearing is that people are just getting more demanding. In terms of delivery, yeah. I think for the most part, everyone likes the interaction, talking with the person. We did try going to uh, auto answering system in the past and we definitely heard from our customers that they didn't like that. So we went back to a live answering person that can get them connected to whoever they needed to be connected to.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, one of the, uh, the other topics that we've been talking a bit about on the podcast is encouraging people, especially young people, to think about a career in manufacturing and that for whatever reason, it doesn't seem quite as appealing as some of the other industries are out there, consulting or finance or whatever. What do you tell people about
1: that? Yeah, that's actually a pretty sensitive subject for some people. There's a lot of issues with finding the people who want to be in this type of career. For instance, welders. We're not getting enough skilled welders coming through to the point where, yeah, we're going to have to start looking to welding robots to take over some of these higher paying jobs. Skilled labor that is just declining. There's more people leaving that skill base than there are coming into it. Being in Colorado, we don't necessarily have a strong base for assembly work, and so we have to teach. And that is difficult in itself. A lot of people find out, no, they don't really like to work with their hands that much. Some people love it, and it's just a matter of getting the right people in front of us.
0: We spoke with manufacturing manufacturer of cranes a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and they actually bring in people from the farms in Wisconsin, where they are, and get them seasonally when they're not doing farm work to be uh, helping out. So there's all kinds of approaches that people use to this.
1: Yeah. And I would like to say that this time, construction outside, we see an influx of people, but unfortunately, Our high time for production is also the summertime when they want to go back out to work construction. Definitely a challenge for everybody. Well, Matthew, this has been very
0: interesting. I love hearing about the products. I mean, I'm a big product guy. love hearing about your products. Love, you know, looking on the road for the zombies ahead sign. Got to keep my ears peeled for that it's also super interesting to think about the complexity of the products and how companies need to deal with that internally. Like obviously you want to provide the best product, the best options for your customers, but there's an effect inside the business of how to deal with all of that. And, sounds like you guys are on top of that. And I'm very interested to see down the road how this machine vision, the AI around how that works out on the job side. I think that's going to be super cool to see.
1: Right now, it seems to be a matter of adoption. A lot of people are not trustworthy, so it's going to have to be proven to them that it'll work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know from being in the AI space, like trust, actually just that word of trust is sort of a big thing for people because you're taking, in a sense, like control out of people's hands a little bit. you trusting the machine with it. And you don't really get exactly knowing what's going on inside the box. So it can be scary for people. Yeah, most definitely,
1: especially when there's someone's life on the line, too.
0: Right, 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 right. So I imagine that there's going to be a, a long period of people getting used to it. I know when Tesla first came out with, oh, we you know, have these self-driving cars, everybody was super enthusiastic. And I feel like that has come down
1: a little bit. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. That concern has starting to become more and more commonplace and expected to be an option for at least some people.
0: You know, what I think we're going to see, you know, and this is just my own personal point of view, but I think we're going to see like machine assisted first. Right. Like instead of having the software or in your case, the hardware just doing something, it's going to suggest it. That's where I see the role. And then people will get used to that and maybe we can kind of take the person out of the loop at some point.
1: Definitely. That is a natural step I see here happening for us with our AFADs. It's first removing that person from the roadside with a machine that they can control remotely. And then the next step would be, hey, we suggest that you stop this traffic and do the other side because there's a longer queue. So there's definitely that middle step that needs to happen right now.
0: And have you seen any, uh, you know, any ideas around drones for traffic management and kind of getting a real time picture on things? Is that something we should be looking forward to?
1: I am, don't really know. It's not something that we've seen or have been asked about. Maybe for surveying, definitely, but for middle of the construction and, and having the drones flying over and checking, uh, I am not. You're not. There's no Ronco
0: drones in our future. Okay. <laughs> Not today. All right. All right. Well, if you decide to get into it, let me know. I got to have a little of experience with drones. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, Matthew, this has been super. Really, really appreciate you joining us here. I'd like to remind our listeners that they can find every episode of the Make It, Move It, Sell It podcast at spiro.ai backslash podcast. Matthew, what do you think? Should people like give us a positive review for this episode? I really hope so. Yeah. Come on, do it for Matthew, not I, I, for me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you did like the episode, so you can always subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And yeah, give us a review. Let other people know that we're talking about manufacturing and things like that here. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We look forward to speaking to you on the next episode.